Who do you turn to for advice, counsel, and wisdom when you are struggling with questions that are just beyond you? Especially in times like this. We are in unprecedented times in our nation right now. As everyone knows, George Floyd was killed on May 25th, and ever since that day, our nation has been in upheaval as we struggle to reform ourselves and maybe even redefine ourselves. As a church community, we have been spending the last few weeks discussing the issues of race, racism, and reconciliation as we seek to pursue Christ's vision for oneness in the body. Two weeks ago, I preached a sermon called The Wound of Racism and the Power of the Gospel. Last week, we explored the road to reconciliation. Today, we are in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we're going to spend some time with someone that I look to when I need wisdom, input, and counsel in unprecedented times. Today, I want to invite you for a conversation with someone that I love and admire as we explore the way forward. Well, first of all, I just want to welcome every single person this morning who is watching us, uh, wherever you're watching us from, in your house, on your couch, in your bedroom, on your phone, on your iPad, wherever you are watching this from. This is a very, very, very special moment uh, for me personally, and also I believe for our church, and also I believe uh, for our community and our uh, nation. Um, I am here today speaking with my pastor, uh, Bishop Claude Alexander. He is one of our church's overseers. Um, we were just talking, we met in 2015 at the Omni Park Hotel yep. in Boston yeah. uh, uh, after Charleston. Yes. Um, and the events that occurred there at Emmanuel, uh, Mother Emanuel Church. And we connected there, and, um, and our relationship began to grow from there. Um, uh, I have consulted with uh, Bishop Alexander on um, matters ranging from, should we go to two services? <laughs> this was a few years ago. Uh, what about going multi-site? Uh, hiring decisions, leadership decisions, um, structural uh, decisions within the church, and now I'm coming to you for your counsel, insight, um, and wisdom around the question of how do we move forward as the church and as a nation and as a culture uh, made up of many cultures, um, how do we move forward in uh, this present time? Mm. Now, for those of you who don't know Bishop, and I'm just going to lean in on this just for a minute, sure. and then I'm just going to turn it over, and I might just walk away. You guys just focus on him. <laughs> um, uh, Bishop Claude Alexander uh, received a call to ministry at about the age of 17, um, went and began to prepare his life for ministry, 
uh, got a Bachelor's of Arts in Philosophy at Morehouse College. Uh, you got your MDiv at uh, Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Mm -hmm. Then went on and got your Doctorate of Ministry uh, at Gordon-Conwell. Yeah. Um, is routinely listed as one of the most influential people in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. And um, this is what's interesting to me, okay? I, I had to write this down. One of the things that's fascinating to me, well, he, he became the pastor of the Park Church here in Charlotte around 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it has grown from 600 people when you came to multiple thousands of people worldwide. Um, but this is what's interesting. You have served in leadership roles on boards with the Urban League, with the NAACP, uh, with the Harvey B. Gantt Center for African American, African American Arts and Culture, Hampton University uh, Ministries Conference, which is one of the oldest and largest international conference of African American ministers. So you've served in these roles, mm -hmm. but then you have also served in roles that have been, uh, and in institutions that have been um, either primarily white uh, or, or multi-ethnic, mm -hmm. uh, Christianity Today, BioLogos, InterVarsity, Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Uh, you've, you've managed to be able to speak into, uh, one might call it, two worlds. Yeah. Um, and wow. have influence in two worlds and somehow be able to um, um, translate and connect between these two worlds. Um, and so I, I say all that to say I believe you are uniquely situated mm. to speak into where we are currently, mm. um, how we got here, some, some of that and how do we move forward. Last thing I wanna say is this. Uh, again, for those of you who don't know him, his, his, his mother was a psychiatrist and his father is a still practicing medical physician who had been assigned to look after Dr. Martin Luther King uh, from a medical standpoint during the civil rights movement. So you have been in this milieu for a very long time. Mm. So we come to you at a time um, of absolute upheaval, turmoil, uncertainty, pain, grief, in some cases despair mm. in our culture. And I, would, I, I, just, I just want to spend some time with you today thinking about, praying about, discussing the way forward. Mm. Where do we go next? Yeah. Wow. Well, it's certainly good to see you. And uh, to, to greet all of you, um, Bad leadership is a curse. Good leadership is a blessing. And God has invested in, in you a great pastor. Um, and and I, I, you know, I've said it before, but, but I appreciate um, the heart that you have demonstrated for the people, the heart that, that you've demonstrated for your city, um, the heart that you've demonstrated for the Big C Church, mm. uh, the ways in which you have involved yourself, whether it's the Carver Project mm -hmm. or even, even broader in that bigger discussion in Boston. Mm. Um, and you have done it with um, sincerity, authenticity, and integrity. And, and so I am I'm so grateful to God for you. 
and for the opportunity to be in relationship with you. I absolutely adore Rebecca and those kids. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so I'm so glad that, that you're here with us in Charlotte Thank you. today. Uh, being, being here in Charlotte is, is unique uh, because Charlotte is in many ways a, a tale of what we're facing in America okay. in, in, a, in a large degree. We are the 15th largest city in the country. Uh, we are the second uh, largest financial market in the country. Mm -hmm. We, in, in, in surveys and studies, we score very high in terms of charitable giving, mm -hmm. volunteerism, mm -hmm. faith-based activity, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But in those same surveys, mm -hmm. out of the top 50 cities, we scored next to last in terms of social and interracial trust. Wow. And in another study that dealt with hmm. uh, upward mobility, which is the likelihood of a person being born in poverty, being able to move above it, right. we ranked 40th out of 40 cities. Okay. And in both of those surveys, it ties back to race. Right. It ties back to race. Right. And, and so this matter of race is, is, is found in every city. Right. You can, you can look at how a city is structured in terms of how highways are cut. Mm-hmm where sanitation plants are put, mm -hmm. and you can track that often, often by race. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is for anyone who's serious about their city mm -hmm. and for anyone who's serious about the kingdom, right. you have to deal with this matter. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that in this moment, God is calling us to ownership. Ownership of, of the past. Ownership of just knowing what the past is. Right. You know, the, the intractability of race is because there's never been a time in America mm -hmm. when there has not been racism, mm -hmm. right? Right. For as long as the country has been alive. No, before the country mm -hmm. was born. Mm -hmm. 157 years, exactly when you had the first slaves brought to the English colonies in 1619. Mm -hmm. That's 157 years before America becomes a country. Right. And so it's the amniotic fluid into which the country was born, mm. right? Right. And if we say that the Constitution is the birth certificate, mm. the matter of racism was written in the birth certificate. Wow, wow with the three-fifths compromise, mm -hmm. declaring the African and the African's descendants as being three-fifths human. Mm -hmm. So for as, as long as we've been a country, right. there has been this, this issue. And it's a denial of personhood mm -hmm. and a denial of place and belonging. Mm. And this George Floyd incident, right. 
um, the reason why it's so painful is that law enforcement's role for 350 years was to keep blacks in place. Mm -hmm. Literally. Right. Right. And so we have to we have to own own that. So so ownership of of history. Mm -hmm. Right. To just understand where we are and how deep it is. Mm -hmm. So it's ownership of history. Then it is ownership of the current state. Okay. Okay. It is, it's, it's, it's ownership that just as the church by its silence and by its speech, right, played a role in establishing this view of, of African Americans mm-hmm. and this treatment of African Americans, the way that it was. Mm-hmm. So the church has to own its current silence or its speech mm-hmm. for the way that things that things are, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and then ownership in terms of where we go okay. from here. Um, uh, let me ask yeah. you: Are yeah. you hopeful? Are you hopeful for where we're going? And, and, and the reason I ask that question and the, and the, the reason I ask it that way, um, I was reading, um, let me set you up with a quote and just kind of get your take okay. on it. Um, I was reading this the other day. It says, uh, it says, those of us uh, who live now are privileged to live in one of the most momentous periods of human history. It is an exciting age filled with hope. It is an age in which a new social order is being born. We stand today between two worlds, the dying old and the emerging new. Mm-hmm. Uh, far from representing retrogression and tragic meaningless, the present tensions, r- racial tensions, represent the necessary pains that accompany the birth of anything new. Long ago, the Greek philosopher Heraclitus argued that justice emerges from the strife of opposites, and Hegel preached a doctrine of growth through struggle. It is both historically and biologically true that there can be no birth and growth without birth and growing pains. Mm-hmm. So, so this is a very optimistic quote about where we are and where we're going. This quote is uh, 65 years old. <laughs> this, this quote is from Martin Luther King uh, in Montgomery, December 1956. Yes. So it's hard to read that quote mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. today knowing that that's... 60 some years ago right i guess the question is are we still progressing mm-hmm. is the are the present tensions still an indication of growth through struggle mm-hmm. or are the present tensions an indication of retrogression into bigotry and and, and a more intractable kind of racism um and, and, and a hardening of hearts and a stiffening of necks. Mm-hmm. So which direction are wow. we going? Well, so, so I, I would suggest that it's not either or, it is both. Okay, okay. One, one docu-series that I would really recommend some, uh, everybody watching is the History Channel did a series on Ulysses S. Grant, mm-hmm. most recently, played about two, two or three weeks ago. Okay. And the third episode, deals with, with Grant uh, being victorious in the Civil War, mm-hmm. then being given the task of 
of administering Reconstruction. Mm -hmm. And his presidency then being laden with the backlash to Reconstruction okay. and the tensions hmm. that, that he faced and the acquiescence mm -hmm. that he ultimately gave, right? And so, so you, have, you have what was thought to be the settling of the matter mm -hmm. in the war, mm -hmm. this great progressive movement called Reconstruction, mm -hmm. but this immediate and intense backlash. Okay. That's when you have the rise of the Klan, mm -hmm. Black Codes, mm -hmm. Jim Crow, mm -hmm. the various uh, literal riots and killings, I mean, of African Americans, mm -hmm. right? So there was that, there was that backlash. Mm -hmm. there, there are those who would argue, and, and I would be one of them, that we've experienced that here. Okay. Right? So there was that, movement uh, forward, movement, this is a backlash. And a backlash. Okay. Movement forward. Mm -hmm backlash in, in the, uh, you, you had the civil rights movement, mm -hmm. and then there was a backlash. Mm -hmm. You had, you, you then had Barack Obama, mm -hmm. and there's been a backlash. Mm -hmm. And so there is, there is this, there is this push and this pull backwards. Mm -hmm. uh, now each time there, there is a push, there are things that you gain. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. But the, the backlash is virulent, mm. right? And it's violent, mm. okay? Um, so that's one. That's, okay. So that's, that's, that, that's on this side. The hope is, is several fold for me. Unlike those times past, uh, for, for young people, who are 15 years and younger, mm -hmm. right? And for those who are young adults, let's say 25 years or less, okay. um, one of their first or second presidents was Barack Obama. Okay. And we, we cannot underestimate how just seeing an African-American man mm -hmm in that seat mm -hmm. shapes the young mind. Got it. In terms of expectations of what is possible. Uh, well, 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 not just of what is possible, but just personhood. Okay. Right? Ah. Right? Right. It's, it's hard to deny mm. personhood when you're looking at the President of the United States mm -hmm. being an African American. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Okay. So, so that, 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 that shapes the mind differently. Now, it challenges older generations, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Okay. But for, but for kids who grew up mm -hmm. with him being their first president, mm -hmm. it shapes them in a positive mm -hmm. way, mm -hmm. right? Right. And it brings a critique in their minds to those who say differently. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's, that's, the, that's the first point of hope. Mm -hmm. The second point of hope is that with social media, mm -hmm. there's been a democratization of all things. Wow. Right? Right. And, and, and with that, an accessibility 
to images and thoughts, right, that can critique what they hear mm -hmm. from whomever right. they hear, right? right? Uh, and which has brought a greater awareness of, of the violence. You know, these things are not new. Right. They're just being captured <laughs> right. on iPhones. They're being captured on iPhones <laughs> right. and being spread right. through social media. Right. Right. And so there's a heightened awareness, mm -hmm. uh, a, a level of sensitivity mm -hmm. uh, that previous generations did not have, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and almost an overload mm -hmm. right. to, to a certain degree. Right. The, so that's the second piece. Mm -hmm. the, the, the third point of hope is, is most recent. You know, you mentioned that, that, that I traffic in various worlds, right. right? And usually in those instances, center left meets with center left, center right meets with center right. Mm -hmm. Very rarely do the two come together. Mm -hmm. And rarely do they say the same thing. Mm -hmm. But this has been a moment where because an eight minute, 46 second unedited video, mm -hmm. unedited video mm -hmm. is undeniable. Right. Right? Yep. It has caused both camps to say we have to do something. Mm. And to have center left and center right whites mm. say together, mm -hmm we have to do something mm -hmm. to the point that they would even sign their names on a document mm -hmm. and put it in the Charlotte Observer. Hmm. And this be clergy, community, and corporate leaders. Wow. To be able to say, we, we lament, we, we own our timidity, mm -hmm. our, our insensitivity, our complicity, we, we're going to work on doing better, mm -hmm. and we want you to hold us accountable, mm. right? That is unprecedented. So this feels to you like, because this is the question that I have. Mm -hmm. Is this truly a watershed moment where the culture and the country begins to pivot towards justice in, in the area of race? Yeah. Um, or because we've had scenarios yep. and instances yep. in the past where... There was a lot of hopeful uh, rhetoric and, uh, and, and some, you know, some pretty outspoken ideas and thoughts. Is this, because I sense that hopefully, prayerfully it is, but I'm, I'm, I tend to be an overly optimistic person. Right. Um, do you feel that this is a watershed moment where we are actually beginning to shift culturally, nationally, like you said, center right, center left, to recognize the reality mm -hmm. of the problem mm -hmm. and a commit to both soul and system change where we will actually not have, I love you, I love being here, I love to come down and talk to you. I don't want us to ever have to do this again. Right, right, do you right. feel like we're at a watershed moment where we're moving towards something better? I'm seeing the, the beginnings of that. Okay. And so 
um, the, the, the civil rights movement gained traction when in, in 63, when, when you had those videos mm-hmm. uh, and, and those black and white mm-hmm. in Birmingham mm-hmm. of German shepherds mm-hmm. and fire hoses, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that, that was undeniable, mm-hmm. right? But, but then in 1964, that's when you had Freedom Summer. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the, the time when uh, whites from the North and the Midwest and the West came to places like Mississippi, mm-hmm. Alabama, uh, and Georgia, and in large droves to, to, to help in the registering of African-American okay. voters. Mm-hmm. It was also during that time, not just when they came to help register, but they also suffered. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because some of the people who died, right, mm-hmm. uh, in Mississippi, um, Mickey Schwerner, mm. um, it was Schwerner, Goodman, Goodman, and Cheney. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Two of those were, 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 were whites mm-hmm. who died, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then Viola Luizzo, mm-hmm. who was a driver, mm-hmm. right? When, when that happened, there was, there was a shift, mm-hmm. right, that, that people couldn't put back. Right. Okay. What, what we're seeing in these marches are so multiracial, mm-hmm. right? It is, it is similar to that. Now, mm-hmm. the question is whether or not this generation will have the commitment. Right to sustain it, right. for it to be, be long term. Right. That's the question. Mm. Do, I, do I see the potential? Absolutely, mm. yeah. So one way that I imagine where we are from, um, from the standpoint of disparities and inequities that you've outlined multiple mm-hmm. times um, uh, around health, around income, around uh, housing, life expectancy, I mean, the, the list goes on, uh, yeah. is that many of these disparities were put in place by policies from the past, yep. the policies of which have been dissolved, but the consequences of which uh, have not gone away. Yeah. And so in my mind, I've, I've been trying, I've wrestled with an allegory or a metaphor for it. It's almost as if you take a, a ball mm-hmm. and you're rolling it on the ground towards a cliff. Mm-hmm. You're rolling the ball, the ball is rolling towards the cliff. You realize the ball is gonna go over the cliff. You repent of having rolled the ball towards the cliff. <laughs> you say, I wish I hadn't rolled the ball towards the cliff. I wish the ball would stop rolling towards the cliff. I swear I will never roll another ball towards <laughs> another cliff. I've, I, I, I've, we've, we've, we've stopped rolling balls towards cliffs. Right. And yet, if nobody stops the ball, right. then right. the ball's going to go over the cliff. Right. Right. So I don't know if that metaphor works, but societally, and, and I, I'm, this is kind of a long way, long way for a ham sandwich, mm-hmm. 
So I live in, in, in University City in St. Louis, mm -hmm. probably the most ethnically diverse area in St. Louis, okay? Yeah. Um, I went to the local library and I pulled up the indenture that is attached to my house, mm. okay, in University City, which is the indenture is the, you know, the covenants and restrictions yeah. related to that neighborhood, yeah. which were drafted in 1922. Mm -hmm. um, so I can go to my library and pull my indenture. So I pull my indenture and it says, you know, you can't have your gutter too close to the road and right. you got to make sure your trees don't, you know, fall into the neighbor's yard. And it's a lot of boring stuff. Yeah. In 1924, a, a, a a provision was written into that indenture mm -hmm. that's attached to my house that I live in right now with yeah. my children and my wife that says, um, you may not, if you live in this neighborhood, allow anyone who's, I believe the phrase they use is Negroes mm -hmm. or Malays. Mm -hmm. Malays was a term for anybody that's brown. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brown of any yeah. brownness, yeah. okay? Yeah. Uh, you may not allow anyone of Negroes or Malays to um, to use any any structure on these residences. Yeah. So you may not. So the, so the restrictive covenants. Okay. Yeah. So in other words, from 1924, uh, nobody was allowed to sell a house to any brown or black person mm -hmm. in my neighborhood, including my house. Mm -hmm. um, I looked at the indenture to figure out when was this restriction stricken from the indenture because I also have a legal training and wondering, okay, well, right. when are we going to redact this out of the indenture? Take a wild guess as to when it was redacted, as when, it, when, that, when that restrictive covenant was removed. Wild guess. Wow. The Ferguson event? A little earlier than that, thank okay. God. Okay. 1992. Wow. Was the first time wow. that anybody took the words... Now, it wasn't enforceable after 1964, right, right, but right, it right. still was on the books yeah. in my neighborhood. And my neighborhood is, is multi-ethnic. There yeah. are uh, blacks and whites that live in my neighborhood. Um, and, and, and browns, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. and, and Asia. I mean, we're, it's, it is a relatively multi-ethnic neighborhood. Um, but so those restrictions mm -hmm. are the rolling of the ball. Yeah. The restrictions are no longer there. Nobody's rolling the ball in an explicit and overt manner. Right. Not, I say nobody. Mostly right. we're not. Yeah. Um, but the, the consequences and the mm. momentum yeah. is still moving that direction yeah. in, in many ways. How do we stop the ball from rolling over the cliff, you know, and not just repent of having rolled the ball? Right, right. Well, I, you know, I think... First of all, uh, there has to be a consciousness that it's not the ball's fault, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. you know that. You know there, there there would be those who would say, you know, the ball should know it's near the cliff. Uh -huh. It stop should rolling. stop. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. And so, it's it's realizing that there there were uh, preconditions to the ball. Mm -hmm going as far as it's gone mm -hmm. and being as close as it is, mm -hmm. right? So that, that's, the, that's the first thing. And someone has to take initiative mm -hmm. to intervene. Okay. There, there has to be a responsibility for intervention. Now, you got to value the ball. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Right. If you don't value the ball, is it, it's going over the cliff. It's going over yeah. the cliff. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's so it's valuing. Mm. Right. It's um, it is intervening mm -hmm. in in very very concrete ways. Right. Right. So so let let's let's take the example of um, of healthcare. Right. How many when we look at disparities in terms of of health. Uh, it, it invariably is a matter of access. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that access question is both what uh, medical centers are in your area, mm -hmm. in your neighborhood, mm -hmm. right? Uh, how affordable mm -hmm. are they? Mm -hmm. um, who, is, who is there to give you information? Mm -hmm. About it, it's it's all yeah. it's all of that yeah. right, and so if if I want to turn that if mm -hmm. I want to keep the ball from going over the cliff mm -hmm. right yep. I have to realize all of those things mm -hmm. and be intentional mm -hmm. about a, about a, addressing them. Mm -hmm. If I'm worried about pre-existing conditions such as diabetes, hypertension, uh, high blood pressure, etc. Much of that is connected to diet, mm -hmm. and if I look at where the food deserts are, mm -hmm. right. where, where is the access mm -hmm. to healthy alternatives mm -hmm. uh, to get mm -hmm. fresh uh, fruits and vegetables, mm -hmm. et cetera, mm -hmm. right? That's what we mean by taking intervention right. and addressing the food desert. Yep. Right. Yep. Now, now it's a food desert because of those other things. Right. 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 So the way that I've got to address it is I've got to take positive steps, mm -hmm. which means investment. Mm -hmm. um, it means collective community will. Okay. Right. Um, to make some different choices. Okay. In terms of how and where we invest. Okay. Right. Those are the things. Okay. And the church has to play a role, both in terms of its advocacy, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then looking in terms of what it can do in the grid of its own programming. Okay. Right. To help that. Right. So let me, um, let me ask you this. And maybe we, maybe, we, maybe we should wind it down because I'm enjoying this part. <laughs> um, Let's just say someone in the congregation, a person of goodwill, mm -hmm. black or white or Asian or Hispanic, mm -hmm. um, who is not a policymaker, mm -hmm. who works a regular job, um, um, who um, is, is, is trying to get by and make a living and, and kind of just moving down the road. Um, and they're, and they're saying, as many people have said to me, what do we do? What's our next step? Mm. How do we, how, and, and, and I think these are people generally, yep. like in our congregation, who desire different outcomes, who mm -hmm. are saying, when is it going to stop? Right. Um, what, what would you say to somebody like that, who, who is saying, look, I, I agree, I want to see things change, but, but you know, I have no, I have no power about where, 
uh, where uh, hospitals go or where grocery stores go. I'm just I'm just a guy or just a woman working in my job, just trying to make it mm-hmm. make a living, just trying to get by, raise my kids, not go crazy. Yeah. You know, if we break it down to yep. the personal, yep. how, how do you break it down for somebody like that? So so it's 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 recognizing that I have individual agency. Okay. And and so I have individual agency in one, how I treat people. Okay. I have individual agency in terms of the use of my voice, mm. uh, whether I remain silent or, or speak up. Mm. I have individual agency in how I listen, mm. right? And what I correct mm. when I hear. Wow. Wow. I have I have individual agency as a parent to have some conversations with my children, mm-hmm. especially uh, if I'm a white parent. Mm-hmm. I have individual agency to have some conversations with my children about race, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and and about expectations, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, I have individual agency in my workplace mm-hmm. by, by looking at who's at the table mm. when decisions are made mm. and who's not there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Who's missing? Mm-hmm. I have individual agency if I am a majority person at the table mm-hmm. to, to then help amplify the voice mm-hmm. of the minority mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. when he or she speaks. Mm-hmm because there is influence that I perhaps have that they do not, Mm -hmm. but by my joining my voice with theirs, Mm -hmm. I help it. I have have individual agency as a member of a family church Mm. to, to say as good as our being when we were in one place was, is, I have individual agency to extend that beyond that place mm. to my dinner table, mm. right? Who gets invited to my Christmas parties? Mm-hmm. The, right. the, these are all steps that I, and I have individual agency to have a critical ear in terms of what the policies are from local, state, and national elected officials. Mm. I have that individual agency to listen with a critical ear Mm -hmm. and to vote Mm. in terms of what I value by way of the critique. All of those those are things that that, that we can do as as individuals, yeah. You know, I I would also say, you know, as as a person of color, I have individual agency, one to grant grace, mm. um, to uh, to and, and, and that that grace is is to recognize when someone is actually trying mm-hmm. and and may not know what he or she is saying, mm-hmm. you know, but is making an effort mm-hmm. um, to be forgiving. Mm-hmm. And uh, a- and this notion of of loving 
if we use 1 Corinthians 13, is believing the best, mm. right? And so it is, it, is, it, is, it is operating from a posture of fighting to assume the worst hmm. And, hmm. And, be, and being willing to believe, to believe the best. And, and that, is, that is a unique offering that we as the body of Christ you know, are called to make. Mm -hmm. um, and you have a unique opportunity mm -hmm. uh, because of what you've created. Mm. And, and you have demonstrated that by way of, of the heart that you've had and the questions that you've raised. Mm. And so as, as you continue shepherding with the heart mm -hmm. and raising the, raising the questions, the people will be blessed. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. I appreciate love you. Love you. Yes, sir. Amen.